Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. And I'm your co-host, Chris Pike, but... Let's be honest, this show is all about Scott Ninnis, the Adelaide 36ers great. He was involved in all four championships that the club has won in the NBL. He's a he's a fantastic name in South Australian basketball. He's a, a great of the NBL. His resume speaks for itself. We talked about it on our first show, so I don't know if I need to embarrass Scott completely by running through all of his credentials, but, but Scott Ninnis, thanks very much for joining us once again. Thank you very much, uh, Chris. I'm going to forget you be my uh, public relations man. Uh, that's uh, you. Are, you were too kind. Uh, I, I, you know, 36 are great. Look, I like I played for a number of years, but uh, look, I think that title sort of is reserved for the Mark Davises and uh, Brett Mars and Al Greens and Daryl Pierces, etc. Of this world. But uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it anyway. Well, humbleness is a great quality. Um, speaking of Brett Mars, he was obviously the the star of our first episode, but like you touched on and like you will touch on later in the show when you catch up with Dusty Reichardt, another Adelaide 36ers former superstar. Um, luck plays a lot of a lot of a, a pretty big part in what what Brett Mars all about. And without doing any sort of research when he caught up with you last week, he managed to get the prediction right of of Adelaide's win on on Saturday night at the Entertainment Centre. No research, not a goddamn thing, and he predicts the margin. Exactly. Six <laughs> points to the 36ers. Uh, he'd be sitting back thinking he's, uh, he's the bee's knees. And uh, <laughs> I reckon only he could do that with absolutely just, just taking a stab in the dark. But uh, I'll tell you what, it's pretty hard to argue with. Uh, he got it exactly right. Yeah, un- unfortunately. Um, not, that he, <laughs> not that he needs to be pumped up any further. But <laughs> our second show here, here, Scott, and obviously that – well, hopefully that means that we did something right on the first episode of, of Sixers Fix. Um, it seemed like we got some some good traction and some pretty good feedback. What sort of what sort of feedback and reaction did did you receive over the over the last week? Yeah, great feedback. I think it uh, you know reached out to a lot of people, and and even those that haven't listened to the podcast have heard of it, which obviously is a good thing. Mm. I was uh, I was in the Barossa Valley today, and I had a number of people come up to me and say they've heard I've done a podcast. Um, might have to get one of them as a red wine sponsor because, uh, or oh, Brett Murray and Dusty Reichardt are going to drink all of my good red wine. Uh, I'm going to have to get someone to give me some uh, to, to supply them. I think. <laughs> well, if anyone if anyone's interested, please get in touch with us. We're we're more than welcome <laughs> to have anybody jump on board with us. Now we'll hear from your interview with Dusty Reichardt a little bit later on, but just a little bit of bit of a background. Obviously, Dusty spent three and a half seasons of his NBL career. In Adelaide, made a made a tremendous impact. He obviously enjoyed his, his time with the 36ers. It was a, a little bit after your playing days, but you were still assistant coach during during his time there, and he had a fantastic career, as you touch on with him. He, he came from Minnesota, but he's, he's well and truly now an, an Australian citizen. Um, what can we look forward to when you hear your chat with him later on? Oh, yeah, like, I guess talking to Dusty, um, he, you know, such an unassuming type of guy, and... Uh, you know, it was just the, the 
you know, one of the great teammates, you know, once again, you know, speaking to Br- Brett Maher about him, he was always in the right spot, you know, he, he was, uh, and just such an efficient player, such a volume scorer and, and great offensive rebounder, but, you know, a coach's dream as well, you know, he just didn't have to worry about him, he, 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 he trained his backside off, he played hard and just went about his business with a minimum of fuss and, and, and when you get a guy that... You know, he he had some seasons where he put up great numbers. You know, he yeah. was I think twenty one and ten in in oh four oh five, and and yeah, you know, so a couple of all star five uh, you know awards. And uh, I don't know if I don't know if he was undervalued, but yeah. I, I certainly I certainly think because he just went about his his game without any fuss or any trouble. Um, you, you know, he he was he was a consummate teammate and. Uh, uh, he had some great years here in Adelaide, and then obviously going to Brisbane and playing in that, you know, that talent-laden, yeah. you know, Brisbane Bullets team, one of the the great teams of all time, was was probably just awards for, you know, getting a championship for someone like Dusty. Absolutely, we'll hear from him in a little while, but let's just look back on on the weekend gone a little bit with you, Scott. Obviously, there's a a great deal of excitement around Adelaide for the move to the Enter- Entertainment Centre. Um, a crowd of 7,500 turned out, and most importantly, um, the team delivered a tremendous performance. That win over over a pretty pretty strong and experienced Brisbane Bullets team. There was a lot to like from what the, the 36ers delivered, both in terms of a game day atmosphere at the Entertainment Centre, but, but the team produced on the court too. And I think that was really important, Chris. I think, you know... Coming after that game against Sydney, where you know they didn't play well, and on the back of the travel back from uh, you know back from Utah, which which you know clearly would affect most teams. Yeah, you know, they need to come out that first game, new venue, you know, new look team, and they needed to perform well, and they really did. Oh, like I, I was really impressed with the game, as you said, Brisbane. You know, got a lot of talent. Uh, you know, playoffs last year um, probably came in here as favourites, and uh, I thought that they got so many um, contributions yeah. from different players. It was um, it was really exciting to watch, and uh, uh, seven and a half thousand people to game. Uh, you know, speaking to throughout the night with guys, you know, past club legends like Daryl Pearce and and Mike McKay, and you know, the look of that stadium sort of took us back to yeah you know, when we used to play at the Sydney Entertainment Centre yeah. and the Boonal Entertainment Centre uh, up in Brisbane, and it, I just thought it had a great feel. I don't think there's a lot of bad seats in the venue. Yeah. So it's an adjustment, but you know, once again, the the entertainment of the centre themselves have uh, uh, you, you know done an incredible job. You know, the score cube is enormous. Mm. The floor looks fantastic. Um, you know, there, there's there, and I think it'll just continue to improve. But to get those sort of numbers at your first home game, have a great win against a good team. Uh, can only set you up well for the uh, for the rest of the season, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the look of it was fantastic. It looks like it, it looks like it's a big time stadium. It looks like now, when you're playing in Adelaide, you're playing it at a big stadium. Whereas as good as as the old arena was, and it was built for basketball, so it was purposely built for basketball. But the look of the entertainment centre, certainly on TV, and I'm sure as you saw in person, it it just has that big stadium feel to it, which is it makes it feel like you're going to to an event, which is a a big way to, if you're going to get crowds of somewhere around the 10,000 mark, I guess you have to appeal to not just the pure basketball fans. You have to make it an, an all-round event to, to get those extra people in. 
Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you're always going to get the diehards here who are going to come to games, I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, whether you're winning every game or losing every game. But, you know, you need to you need to attract a, a new audience. And, and I think that's anyone that came to that game last, last weekend for the first time, you know, will be excited. You know, they'll, they'll look at that. They would have seen, a, you know, a great game by the team on the floor. Uh, you know, you walk in, you see the... You know, the trophies displayed on the entrance, you walk around the concourse level, the, the club has done a great job of uh, having a history wall that wraps right around the arena. You know, you, the, they introduce your retired singlet players onto yep. the floor before the game. Oh, look, I thought it was a great spectacle. And, and you know, the, the old stadium was tired, and this is just my personal opinion. Mm. I, I think it was uh, it served its purpose. I know, you know, a lot of people, including myself, had an attachment to that because of the, the success we've had here. Sure. But this is, in, in my in my humble opinion, is a no-brainer move into this uh, new arena. It's so much more accessible by public transport. The tram stops right out front. And, you know, it's it's got good air conditioning, which I've harped <laughs> on a few times. But, you know, we don't go to games at the old arena when it's 35 degrees because yeah. it's unbearable yeah. in there. So I, I just think it ticks a lot of boxes and uh, oh, I think it's very exciting for the club moving forward. Another thing that the club seems to be really making a focus of and doing it a lot better, and you talked about this with, with Brett last week as well, is really embracing and getting the former players involved as a former player and a former coach like yourself. How much how much more part of the club do you so far feel this season than you have for probably you know the last 10, 10 years at least? Hugely exciting. When I can sit there and we sat behind the bench or next to the 36ers bench behind the backboard last uh, last game and I look down and I... I see Mike Mackay, Peter Allo, Ray Wood, Dwayne Nelson, Mark Davis, Al Green, Martin Catalini, Jason Williams, Rupert Sapwell, Ken Cole, Don Shipway, etc., etc. It's outstanding. I mean, that, that you know, we just don't get those guys together anymore. And uh, I think the clubs, you know, done an done an outstanding job of trying to reconnect with the with the past and. and you know, I'm also conscious of the fact that, you know, if you look backwards too often, you're not looking forwards sure. as well. But, you know, we have a rich history of success, you know, with this club and, and you know, the people that I've just mentioned are, you know, all champions of the of the club. And uh, to get them back involved, you know, Daryl Pearce lives in Melbourne now, Martin Catalina lives in Perth. For them to be there that game, oh, I think, spoke volumes. And uh, it, it shows me that they're really trying to do the right thing moving forward and uh uh you know from someone who's spent so many years at the club you know almost 20 years uh i think it's really exciting absolutely what about the the team how important was it to i guess build on the momentum from, from saturday night the win at home was fantastic but how important was it to then go to go to wollongong on on monday night and back it up with a with a second win for the weekend and and play really well they the 36ers probably dominated that game for the most part against the hawks and it was a it was a pretty solid effort on on monday night yeah it was i think that's that's a great turnaround i mean any win on the road as as you know in this league is yeah. is worth its weight in gold and and you know, obviously there's a bit of hype about uh, about wollongong this year i didn't think it was <laughs> an absolute game for the purists mm, i thought no. there was but that but you know winning a game like that is even better if you can win and you you know win ugly as they say mm. i, I think it's really important um you know there's some talent in that wollongong team um you know they need to get it together um I, I, 
to you know to to be successful this year. But um, yeah, when they do, they're, they're probably going to be tough at home. So to sure. get a win on the road early, I think is really important. And uh, I guess that you know coming back to back home this weekend, if they can take care of the business against Cairns, uh, you know you start the season off pretty well. And uh, you know if you can go three and one, you, you you set yourself up pretty well to start with. Absolutely, especially considering you start in Utah and start in Sydney. If they can turn that into a three and one start it's a fantastic effort so the thing I the thing that stood out to me across both games was and you touched on it before the number of, of contributions from from players I think you could make a good case for for 10 players playing really well across across the two games we saw Daniel Johnson produce what he does across the the, the two games Jerome Randall had his moments he's, he's going to get better as he as he gets used to this group again Anthony Drimmick settling into that into that into that role Ramon Moore had his moments Especially on Saturday night, Eric Griffin was was terrific. Harry, Harry Froling clearly enjoyed his 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 battle with his brother on Monday night, and Jack McVeigh across both games he was he was fantastic. OBK had his moments, and then then the co captains Kevin White and Brendan Tees they they don't get their their numbers called too often, but what they do defensively, and especially for for Kevin White for that period in the third quarter on Aaron Brooks on Monday was was as important in that win as, as anything. To have ten guys really contributing across both games, I think is a is a massive tick for for what this team's doing. And look, I think I mentioned that last week. I think that's super important with this team. Mm. I mean, they need they need contributions from everyone. And uh, I, you know, you touch on Jerome Randall, who you know, statistically hasn't had games that he's probably had in the past, but. I thought he, I thought he played his role terrifically. Yep. I thought he just, he didn't try and force things. He, he, you know, especially the game here against Brisbane, he got his teammates involved early, and he just, you know, he just picked his moments. And and you know, he's he's always dangerous, and and you know, he's he's going to have games where he explodes and scores thirty. But I like the fact that he's, you know, he's. He's just let the game come to him a little bit more than what we've seen in the past, and, and especially against Brisbane, I, I like the work he did defensively too. And, and you know, in the past, that's that's probably been a criticism of his game. You know, DJ's, you know, he's going to just go about his business and, and get his numbers. But you know, the role players, I think Ramon Moore has, has taken a big step up this year, and I've I've always liked his game. I was a bit disappointed last year. You know, after the previous year, but I think he's, you know, he's really taken, you know, a bigger load on his shoulders. Uh, I thought the the Froling boys was <laughs> was a lot of fun. I was uh, I was assistant coach with Shane Froling up in the Townsville yeah. days, and, and you know, Harry was just a kid then. To see these, you know, two seven footers, you know, just about going at each other was was a lot of fun. Their post game <laughs> interview was was a lot yeah, of, was. was was a lot to a lot to laugh about as well. But yeah, you know, Jack Mavay's come out. And, and play, you know, use that, I guess, raw emotion and, and turn it into a couple of terrific games. And, and as you said, Anthony Drimmick played great as well. Uh, those minutes by Kevin White were really, really important. I mean, you know, Brooks could have gone off for, God, you 40, know, 40, 40 plus, plus, I think, plus, if, if White uh, didn't lock him down. Probably the, probably the way he was heading. And, and that's that's what they need. They, they need to get these contributions, everyone just playing their role. You know, even if at the end of the day it's it, – yeah, you know, nothing much shows up in the box score, and I, off the top of my head, I don't know what Kevin White's stats were like. But you know, the stats won't show the influence he had on the game, and that—that's what this team needs. I need everyone playing their role, and they got that. And yeah. uh, I think that uh, that all goes really well going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get your thoughts on Daniel Johnson. It was a big night on Monday for him to become just the sixth player in 36's history to play 
250 games for the club. He's on track by the end of this season to, to leapfrog Daryl Pearce and, and Paul Reese as well to, to go into a fourth spot all-time for the, the 36ers. He also plays his 300th NBL game overall this weekend as well. As somebody who's looked on it from afar for a lot of his career and, and over the last decade since he's been playing, he's scored more points and collected more rebounds than anybody else in the NBL. Can you just talk through what, I mean, what sort of a, a great servant he's been now for, for the 36ers? Oh, look, oh, I've got to be honest, it crept up on me as well. When I heard he's playing his 250th game for the club, I was, my first thought, geez, the bastard's played more than me now. So <laughs> it's, it's, but look, look, he's, he's, yeah, he's a little bit maligned because oh, I guess, you know, he's played in some teams that are, uh, uh, some years haven't done that well. You know, the, he's been criticised for his body language and his defence. But, you know, you get 20 and 10 every mm. night, you'd, you're doing something right, you know. All Star Five, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. Yeah. Uh, look, he's, you know, he's on the he's on the track, and and I'll have some people that will criticise for me that for saying this, but he's on the track going down as one of the club's all time greats, and yeah. uh, you know, I. I, I you know, I think he'll ultimately be judged on whether he has success. And, you know, when you talk about greats, normally that has a championship attached mm-hmm. to your name. Um, you know, his, his demeanour, he's a quiet guy. He's not, you know, probably naturally a leader. But, uh, you know, he can just kill you in so many ways. I mean, his, his scoring ability, um, you know, from from the three-point line, he's just got a lot of tricks in his bag. And uh, I, I think it's a testament to him. And he, he should be congratulated. Like I said, he, he gets criticised in some quarters, but, you know, what more can a guy, guy do than uh, average the sort of numbers that he's put up over a decade? And, and you know, like you said, you know, no one scored more points and rebounds than him in over 10 years. That that tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah, and you hope he gets rewarded at some point. If any, if anybody deserves a championship, then it's then it's DJ. So let's hope that he, he gets that chance before his career's out. And, and good luck to him in, in game 300 in the NBL for him. Very quickly, Scott, before we head into your chat with, with Dusty Reichardt, some of the other results, you touch on, on some of this with Dusty, so we won't go into it in great detail. But across the league over the weekend, the Sydney Kings had two really good wins against the New Zealand Breakers, so the Kings remain undefeated. I think clearly they're the best defensive team in the competition right now. And, and the Breakers, they've, they've now, now lost their first couple of games and, and pressure begins to build there. The Cairns Taipans went into Perth and, and not, not only did they win, they won by 23 points. It was a, an incredible performance by, by Mike Kelly and, and his Taipans. The South East Melbourne Phoenix continued to win. They, they had a pretty solid win against the Illawarra Hawks and they, they continue to be the, the highest tempo and highest scoring team in the competition. And, and as you touch on in more detail when you chat with Dusty, Melbourne United found another way to lose at the buzzer and Bryce Cotton finished finish them off on, on Sunday with a, with a game winner there. Just quickly, what sort of stood out to you from those other games across the weekend? Oh look! Oh, I love the start of a season because it's so it's so unpredictable. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, you can get upsets. Uh, you know, who would have predicted Melbourne United would be zero and three mm-hmm. even without Prather? I, I just love the unpredictable unpredictability this time of the year. And uh, um, yeah, look, I think the Phoenix, you know, continue to not surprise. I mean, they've got a lot of talent. You know, Sydney, you got a lot of veterans there, and. and um, you know, are they able to maintain that over the course of the season? But 
Oh, I think that I, I just love this time of the year because there's there's no way in safely predicting anything. And, mm. and like you said, the the absolute main example of that is is Cairns going and beating the Wildcats by 23 in Perth, and uh, that certainly throws into throws up this game against the 36ers next Friday. That you know before the last weekend would have been penciled in as a you know pretty much as a as a safe win. That just throws that completely out the window now. So uh, I just love this time of the year. I'm glad that. Uh, my career is not relying on uh, the wins and losses anymore <laughs> at this time of the year. Now, Scott, let's go into your chat with, with Dusty Reichart before we go any further. He's a man that doesn't really need a lot of introduction, but ever since he came out to Australia from Minnesota, where he grew up, went to the University of Minnesota, once he found his home here in here in Australia, he, he's never left, really. He's now, now well and truly settled. He was back in Adelaide for the weekend to, to check out the game against against the Brisbane Bullets, one of his old teams who he played in a championship with, of course, in 2007 under under Joey Wright. But what a what an NBL career this man put together. 309 games overall. He averaged over 15 points and eight rebounds a game across 309 games. That's that's incredible. And, and as, as you'll touch on, he spent three and a half seasons here with the Adelaide 36ers, definitely made his mark with the club and left a lasting legacy as well with with the 36ers then he went on to the Brisbane Bullets having started started at the Victoria Giants spent a season at the Illawarra Hawks and then finished off with four seasons at the Cairns Taipans he's he's always a popular figure here in Adelaide and what what a treat it is now to to hear you catch up with him Scott let's go to it and welcome to the second edition of 36ers Fix or Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Um, before we get started, just a very special shout out. Uh, my very special guest last week was the one and only golden child, Mr. Brett Maher, who correctly predicted the winning margin of the 36ers versus the Brisbane Bullets game, six points to the 36ers. Only that lucky bugger could do that with absolutely no watching of any games and pure ass. So congratulations, Brett. Well done to you. Um, my very special guest uh, this week is uh, once again another legend of the club uh, who spent uh, about three and a half seasons here, I believe. Um, uh, the one and only Dusty Reichart. Welcome, Dusty. Thanks, Nanny. Happy to be here, mate. Uh, good to have you back in Adelaide briefly. Um, let's just talk a little bit about your career before we start, uh, start going going any further um, 309 games uh, in the NBL which uh, just fell short of my 318 by the way <laughs> um, played with the Victoria uh, Giants the Adelaide 36ers the Brisbane Bullets uh, the Wollongong Hawks and the Cairns Taipans um, obviously we're here talking about a lot of things 36ers uh, let's just talk about though touch on those fears with the 36ers I guess going from uh, the Victoria Giants to the Adelaide 36ers would have been a bit like, uh, I don't know, going from the shithouse to the penthouse at that particular <laughs> point in time. Spot, spot on. <laughs> How were those years with the 36ers, mate? Man, uh, I'd say the best years of my, my career, to be honest. It's uh, obviously got caught prior to Christmas with the, with the Giants for reasons unknown. I uh, wasn't performing, 18 and 9, wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, I was very fortunate um, to play you guys. I think we played you guys twice in the preseason, and I would have averaged like 30, 31. 32 points uh, so I think I, I was on the radar everyone thought I was Australian because I was a white white guy and they didn't <laughs> think I was American um, and then I got cut and you know luckily enough it just all aligned instead of going home the Giants were too poor 
they said, look, you got to stick around for three, four weeks because we can't afford a, a flight home for you. And um, lucky enough, two weeks later, I think Raji got hurt. And yep. you guys were looking for a replacement, and the rest is history. And that's where I kind of established my career, average 20 and 10, roughly around those marks. And um, it was great. Phil let you play. He wasn't putting any kind of restraints on you, and uh, just fitted good in the system, I thought. Yeah, I mean, timing's everything, isn't it? You know, you talk about, you know, you can go through history of any sport, and, uh, you know, sometimes you just do, do need a bit of luck as far as where you end up and how you play. And, I mean, they were, they were you know, they were really enjoyable years. Like you said, Phil's style was, was great to play under. He let everyone play to their strengths. Um, you know, we had some great characters during those years. Uh, any <laughs> any favourites uh, amongst some of those players with the 36s? Uh, what stands out? Catalini stands out. He was, uh, <laughs> I think, he was a human child. I think um, he always was playing games in the locker room. He stands out, guys. It was just a great team. It's got great personalities. You know, no one really had a you know it me first mentality. Everyone was you know pretty nice on the court, off the court, welcoming. Besides me coming in and everyone tape my locker down and to see if I could take a joke. <laughs> um, guys were pretty welcoming. I had fun playing with the guys. Yeah, we were good at home. I don't know if it was because of the refs, but we always had that, you know, one or two losses at home. We had a fun style. Phil let you do what you got to do. Um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Marzi was always throwing jokes out, trying to invent something on the side. You you, you talked a little trash on the sideline. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was just a good atmosphere. And I think, you know, like your style of game obviously really suited that team because, you know, I know Brett always talked about, you know, how you always got to the right spot. If he's penetrating, you know, you were a difficult matchup because you were great for mid-range, which I think is one of the most difficult areas to shoot from in the league. A lot of people are good three-point shooters. A lot of people get on the rim well, but you, know, you would set a pick and roll and get to mid-range, and it was a really difficult way for people to match up. And I, like I said, I know Brett loved playing with you. Uh, Charles Thomas, I know, uh, you, you know, uh, enjoyed it as well. So, uh, yeah, plays some pretty good guys. Yeah, I think of all, the, I played with some pretty top guards in my, t- my time. Daryl McDonald, CJ, Brett, CT, and I'd have to say, playing with Brett, I mean, there's no, I'm not like blowing smoke up his butt, but. Well, we have to do that. It's, you know, he's a 36 legend. Yeah, he is a 36 is podcast. Crap on, stroke, stroke his ego a little bit. <laughs> he was one of those guys that was just, you know, for, uh, he was an Olympian. He was just down to earth. Guy could play basketball, understood the game. He had some big shots when they counted. And he he passed the ball. Like, I love Brett because he commanded so much respect. If he was coming off an on ball, two or three guys were going to him. All he had to do was flick it over because no one was on myself. Yeah. Love playing with him. Um, and it, it was just a good style. I just he won. He was a he just did all the right things. A good leader. Yeah. Um, sometimes he did get on your nerves when he was asking for a freaking tissue. Give me a tissue. I'm like, man, tissues. Hey, a uh, little sh- little short story about that. We uh, we went to the uh, 36 Bullets first home game of the Entertainment Center last uh, last week, and uh, Jazzy Fizz, who's been the team manager for many years, uh, saw us sitting down there behind the baseline. Came over to me pre-game, pulled a pack of tissues out of his pocket and said, I still carry these because Brett scarred me for life, going, where's the tissues? Give me the tissues. He was a bit of a pain in the ass at times too, wasn't he? He was. And then when he was yelling, there was spit flying everywhere. His veins <laughs> popped out of his head. Where's my tissues? And I'm like, fair enough. The guy's hitting game winners. He's pulling up from three-quarter court. And just, you know, he just was a good player and it was just a good all-around guy as well. Great teammate. 
And from the 36ers to the Brisbane Bullets, and you played in uh, one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBL. Some would say the greatest, and, and you'd be pretty hard to argue with that. With you know Sam McKinnon having you know one of the greatest all-round years in the history of the game, Ebi Arar, Stephen Black, CJ Bruton, Mark Brakey coming off the bench, Mick Hill, Dylan Boucher, young Adam Gibson. Uh, that was just an extraordinary team, wasn't it? It was. Uh, besides the 36ers, the three and a half season, four season I played here, the guys are great. That team was just stacked. And uh, the biggest question going into that year is could you guys play together? Because obviously on paper, you got egos. A bunch of guys were stars at other teams coming in, myself, CJ. Blackie was the star there for many years. And then they bring in a, a whole Yabby, myself, CJ. And the question was can we play together? Yeah. Put your ego aside just to win. And I think we started the season off. Almost a losing. I think we were one and three, two and three, and we were playing Sydney. We lost to Sydney. I think we were three and three, and I think Joey Jeff JVG. I think they were sweating a bit because they put a <laughs> team on paper that should win and we weren't winning. Yeah. And then something something clicked, and we went on a twenty one game winning streak, and the rest is history. You're talking about. Um you know, everyone having to sacrifice for the good of the team and, and check your ego in a little bit. Oh, I guess that's that's a great segue into the current 36er coach and Jerry Wright, who was the coach that year. He must have had a, a lot to do that, to be able to manage all those egos and, uh, you know, throw out, you know, like a reasonably simple game plan that allowed everyone to flourish with their, their own individual ability. One thing about Joe is he's fiery. He's he's a <laughs> typical American coach. He will light a fire on your ass and either it works or it doesn't work and he's not afraid to bump butt heads. Uh, but that passion, I think with that team it, it just worked. We held itself. I think that team, that Bulls team, and I think teams under Joey, he empowers his players. He empowers everyone. You got to hold each other. You got to hold each other accountable. Yeah. And it's got to come from the captains down. And it's like no one can get out of line. If you get out of line, everyone steers you back in for the greater good of the team. And I think Joey, if you're not the right player, you can butt heads with him, and then you move on to another team. But for the most part, he is pretty simple. Just wants you to play hard, and he pl- lets you play free. And that's not, you know, obviously that's not too much to ask. I mean, that's where you want your players to play. But I think, you know, one of the things I like about Joe is he doesn't play favourites. So he'll rip anyone a new one, won't he? <laughs> Whether it's 100%. the superstar of the team or your 10th guy. And, uh, you know, as a, as a player, I think we've all been involved in teams where, you know, there is favouritism. And, and, and it's let's face it, it's not an equal opportunity uh, sport. You know, your you stars play and your you bench players and some of your role players don't play as much. But if everyone's treated the same from a, you know, you're going to get a kick up the ass if you do something wrong. Uh, you know, the guys at the end of the bench can see that and go, well, you know, that's something to be admired. I think that's what makes the team successful. If you've got a coach that favors your star players, they're not doing their defensive assignments or they're lazy on whatever rotations. If they don't get chewed out at the top line and then you chew out a development player that's there or a bottom 8-9 guy, yeah. it's going to quickly divide the team. Yep. It's That's the type of coaches, the time of team chemistry that you need. It's top down, everyone's held accountable. If the coach is not calling someone out, the player's got to call someone out. And that's what makes championship teams. And also during a game, if the bench is disengaged, you're never yep. going to win. You got to have the, you got to have everyone top down to the managers, to the physio, happy for anybody who's going to be successful. If someone's going off on the game and you got guys on the bench not happy, you're never going to have a winning team. And that's what that team had from top down. Everyone was genuinely happy for everyone's success. Yep. So from the couple of years of the bullets, uh, you know, your last couple of years in Wollongong and Cairns. Uh, 
you had some had some injury issues and, and which limited uh, you know your, your, your games your time on court um, injuries now as you uh, gracefully enter your 40s how, how is the body yeah body's body's good uh, no major issues I was knocking on wood lucky I was on my side until about a year and a half ago I blew out my knee playing in the state league but it, towards the end of my career it was just any old guy playing a young man's game <laughs> you just get soft tissue injuries I was fracturing my finger blew up my knuckle fell over fractured my leg and it's just old man injuries um, yep. and I spent more time on the sideline it was getting frustrated so yep. uh, to make it 12 years at a high level uh, 17 including my division one days in college I think that was a pretty good run. I was happy to retire at 36. Yep. And I think, you know, to make it to mid-30s was always a goal. Uh, but unfortunately, you get old. Father Tom taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, mate, Catch, time. Catches up with everyone. So, yeah, so uh, now a uh, family man living in, in Brisbane, uh, but we're, we're sitting here in Adelaide. Uh, so what did, tell everyone what you're doing post-basketball uh, and what brings you Adelaide for this few days? Yeah, so um, uh, post-basketball post, uh, career, um, during my career I got my MBA because I knew at the end of the day I was going to be in my mid-30s and I needed something to fall back on. So I got my MBA in finance and, uh, once I retired, fell back, uh, worked for Latrobe Financial now as a state manager for Queensland in South Australia. And a funny story on how I got that role is Greg O'Neill as our CEO, was the chairman of the Melbourne Tigers yep. back in 2007. I think he was 2006 to 2010, their little run there. We beat him in Melbourne in 2007. He was a sponsor chairman, obviously, he tapped me on the shoulder. We had a couple beers talked about the game he just liked how I was humble and just didn't want about my business and that was it little did I know 12 years later that Greg was an owner of a, a finance company <laughs> I reached out to him and said Greg you remember me he's like boy do I ever I hate you guys and I was like oh great well anyway past that we beat you sorry about that and I just asked Greg for an opportunity and there was happened to be one where they're expanding the team Fantastic. and he said do you want an opportunity in Queensland and in my head I'm like hell yes and the rest is the rest is history and it's it's like you said earlier it's right time right place even in basketball the team you're good enough but if it's not the right fit for the team at that time it's just not the right right time it's not the right price not the right time and the same with my working career yeah. um, you just got to be in the right time right place and you know on the way up you got to treat people nice on the way down those you never know who's going to help you in the end very very true um well let's uh, let's let's fast forward to now um the current state of the nbl do you do you uh do you go to games do you keep a keen interest in it is it not something you worry about that much these days or i do i do follow it because it's uh you know i mean i love basketball you love basketball you love any kind of basketball and i watch it now it's more accessible you can stream it you can watch it on tv i do follow it um i follow the bullets i follow anyone that's interesting and, and not a, not really intensely if it's on tv i don't follow a particular team but i do follow it well you've uh, you know, i know you've seen a little bit of the 36 this year um you know we sp- brett and i spoke about it last last week is there's a fairly big gulf now between uh, you would think in what salaries are being paid from various teams to other teams and and you wouldn't think the 36 is one of the higher p- budgets in the league but you know we're talking about joe before his teams play hard from what you've seen of them uh, you know where where do you think they are what do they have to do to be successful 
Yeah, I like Joey's team. One thing about Joey is he's going to get the most out of his players. Um, this year's team might be a little bit, you know, short on the talent pool. You know, get Randall there. You got a couple of the young guys. You got McVeigh was looking pretty good. He's he's coming to his own. You got Froling there. You got DJ's. Of, he's a veteran. So they got the pieces there. I suppose it's just a matter of it's all comes about ke- chemistry. Comes about injuries. If they can all marry up, no one gets injured. Guys can work together and they can fit in and bind to Joey's style. I think they'll be in the middle of that pack. I don't yep. think they're championship quality, but they could probably squeeze in, you know, top four, make yeah. the playoffs. Uh, uh, absolutely. And Brett and I spoke about it last week. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got your, your two your two best players, you know, DJ and, and Randall, you would say, who are both elite scorers in this league who, um, you know, have never been known for their defensive ability. But, you know, going to the, back to the Brisbane Bullets game last weekend, I thought Randall, like, did a terrific job, like, staying in front of Sobey and, and really putting in that effort and I, I really enjoyed his game. I mean statistically probably wasn't one of his better ones but he got his teammates involved early. He hit some big shots when he needed to but they got they got great games out of just about everyone. McVeigh has had a couple of terrific games. Um, he's a little bit loose uh, those emotions <laughs> need to stay in check from time to time but he's channeling it in the right direction and you've got to admire that and I think when you, you know, you know they've got some guys who play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder and you know Froling's a same and Drimmick's the same and that's a that's a good thing if it's channeled in the right way that can uh, that can take you a lot of places so I've found those guys I've enjoyed watching them play the last couple of weeks 100% I think Drimmick surprised me he's he's developed his jump shot a bit he's hit a couple threes I like the team it's just a matter of hey can Randall he's at the end of his career as you know towards the end of your career you're not really focused on me, me, me. Like Randall's always been a number one scorer. Ball's got to be in my hand. I think now that he's at the end of his career, can he facilitate and get others involved before he worries about taking over the game? I think if he, I think if he can do that and get others involved, I think the team will be pretty good. And, and yeah, once again, what I've seen of him, that's that's what he's what he's doing. Once again, he didn't have big big numbers against the Hawks last night, but he just did his thing, and and he's always a threat. I mean, that's that's the thing. You 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 have to put your best defensive guard on him. You know, you, you which is going to free it up for everyone. So I, I've liked the style of game he's playing, where he hasn't forced the issue. Um, you know, and that makes that makes him dangerous because you know coming down the you know coming down the crunch in the last fourth quarter when they're in games. Ramon Moore is a guy who, who's a proven clutch player. What I've seen over, you know, probably a couple of years ago especially, you know, Randall couldn't always hit the big shot. You know, DJ is an elite scorer. Um, you know, Griffin is going to be a really good player in this league, I think, uh, as he makes his way through it. And if those role players can continue to play, anything can happen. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Spot on. And just, you know, I guess just looking at the league at the moment, you know, Sydney have, you know, and the Phoenix have uh, jumped out and been surprisingly well. Uh, United zero and three. Uh, you know, when does it come a point where it's a bit of a cause for concern? I think. Oh man, lose a couple more games. I think uh, Vickerman's going to be looking over his shoulder. Some imports <laughs> are going to be looking at their plane tickets. I think you got Casey Prather still waiting to come in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you don't have, but you got two quality imports, Trimble, and you got uh, Sean Long there. Yep. You got a quality supporting staff. Goulding's there. Or Goulding, as they called it in Brisbane, he was Goulding. <laughs> a little, of, little name change. Yeah, over bubbles the, uh, or I don't know what they call them now. Uh, but they got a good team. It's just they're not gelling. It's yeah. um, one of those scenes where I talked about earlier. If you got an all-star on, team on paper, if they're not gelling and the chemistry's not there, you're not going to win games. Predators now had a you know quite a quite a long period of time with it with those knee troubles. Um, um, yeah, they, they need to start pinching one in. 
here and there eventually. Yeah, great. They've got to get some wins. They've got to get um, they just got to get a couple wins. And then they got Southeast Melbourne, uh, not Southeast, the uh, the Phoenix. And they're starting out 3 0, 4 0, whatever they yep. are. They got Roberson, they've got uh, Creek, they've got Madgens playing pretty good. They're just firing. And then they're 0 3, the other team, the new team that's supposed to be struggling, yep. 3 0. Which like, history would show expansion teams normally do, uh, normally do struggle. But uh, at the 36ers this week, um, Cairns Taipans coming into town. A week ago, you would have penciled this one in as a win. Mm. And they go out of Perth and smack Perth by 23. Now, if I was a betting man, well, I am a betting man, but uh, <laughs> that would have been something you could have got any odds for, wouldn't it? 100%. For Kansas to go over there, I think if they would have got a one, two, three-point victory, I think that would have been possible, but to blow them out like they did. Um, I'm still not sold on Kansas, though. I think the 36ers, I think they'll still get them, but Kansas, they're a little bit more of a danger team now that they've done that movement over the Purton pretty much destroyed the defending champions well you know th- this time of the year everyone everyone's still a chance aren't they so you, you know the, as the season goes on teams will sort themselves out and you, you know some of the bottom teams will start to fall away but at this stage having that win you know they'll come in here full of absolutely full of confidence and with every reason that they can win with and and, and they should too but I think you're right I think you know, Adelaide weather that early storm they take the emotion out of the game uh, we've spoken before about you know taking you got to take Cora care of home court yeah you win your home games you jag a couple on the road you're gonna you, you're gonna be in good shape for the playoffs yeah i think it's one thing that back on my career is like the other walking to a game in adelaide unlike any other stadium in, in that i played for you felt a buzz adelaide was one of the only stadiums in australia where you walk in you just had that confidence because the buzz before the game pre-game you can everyone's in the stadium I love that about Adelaide. It's always been hard to win here. It's just that buzz. This crowd gets excited. And any team coming in here, it doesn't matter what year, what team you got on the floor, it's just hard to win here. Well, let's hope that buzz uh, continues uh, this weekend. In, in, uh, now that the Sixers have moved to the uh, Entertainment Centre, the 7,500 people to the Saturday night's game, which was, I think, a fantastic uh, turnout for the first round. They did the right thing and won as a team. Uh, let's hope they can get it going. And thank you very much to uh, the legend who is Dusty Reichardt, 36ers legend, uh, Bullets legend, NBL legend, and all-round good guy. Overall legend. Thanks, yeah. Nanny. Appreciate Thanks, it, Dusty. Mate. Appreciate it. So there we go. Hopefully everybody really enjoyed your chat there, Scott, with, with Dusty Reichardt. It's not often you get the chance to hear, hear two former greats of, of the league and certainly of the 36ers sit down and have a chat like that. So it's a, it's a hell of an opportunity, opportunity that this show's providing and hopefully hopefully all our, our listeners are enjoying it. I know you're enjoying it, Scott, so let's, let's hope it can, can continue throughout the rest of the, of the season because we're, we're pretty excited about, about this project that we're undertaking. Looking ahead to this weekend, it's another massive one for the 36ers. They've got, they've got two games, starts Friday night, back at the Entertainment Centre. It's going to be interesting to see the difference from a Friday night to a Saturday, Saturday night. And certainly the Cairns Taipans come to town with their with their tails up after what they did in, in Perth last Friday as well. What, do you, what are you expecting? Oh, look, you expect Cairns to come out full of confidence. I mean... Anytime you eat Perth in Perth, you're doing something right. Uh, so, you know, they'll, they'll come in here, with, you know, absolutely, you know, full of confidence and, and ready to go and do well. I, look, I, I think the 36 is a win, I think. But what they need to do 
is uh, you know sustain that that early emotion and and you know Cairns are going to come out all guns blazing and expect to do well. I think that if they can take the emotion out of the style of game that Cairns are playing early, uh, you know, settle into their game. I think you know you, you expect you know their style of game and the crowd to get them over the line. But you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's so unpredictable this mm. time of the year. But you know, moving forward, you have to take care of your home court. You know, you, you win at win at home in this league. Even if you're not that good a road team, you know, you're going to set yourself up for the rest of the season. So it's a super important game for the 36ers. You win this, you go to 3-1. and one, mm. And, you know, if you ask Joey Wright at the start of the year, would he take 3-1 and one out of four games? Well, he'd probably say no. He'd probably say he wanted <laughs> to go 4-0. and zero, But I, I reckon deep down, you know, most clubs would probably take three and one to start the season. Yeah, I think so. And like I said before, especially coming from Utah and starting on the road in Sydney, I think a three and one start would be would be tremendous. Um, just quickly on this game, Majuk Deng coming back to Adelaide for the first time as part of the Taipans. He he always showed flashes of what he could do in his time in Adelaide. Probably never quite got the minutes and the role that he was craving. He's now getting that with Cairns. What are you expecting from him when he, he comes back to Adelaide? Oh, well, look, you probably expect the same things that he did when he was with the 36ers. He's going to shoot the ball every time he yeah, touches yeah. it. And, uh, um, you know, that that makes, you know, someone that's that aggressive offensively at his size mm. and, and with that ability to put the ball on the hole is is always dangerous. So I think, you know, and I, I, you know, I know that Joe Wright, you know, they, if that's a matchup with him and Griffin or, or whoever it is, you know, they'll take the ball at him every time down the floor because, you know, defensively that's where he really needs to, uh, you know, to, to get his game rounded sure. out to, to be, oh, I guess, to be considered a, you know, a, a very good player in this league. And, and you know, he's young, he's raw, um, you know, he's light um, and he doesn't have that, you know, that, that, those great defensive, I guess, skills at the moment. So I think any time you've got a guy that, you know, can be very damaging scoring-wise, you know, you want to go with them at the other end of the court and I make think them DJ's chase eyes people. might light up if he's a match-up on, on him, mightn't they? I reckon, uh, yeah, if I was Cairns, I'm not sure that's a match-up no. I, would, I would go because I think DJ could go for a, <laughs> a career a career amount. But, look, I mean, I was expecting to, you know, to come out and play well and probably have good numbers, but uh, I'd be surprised if I didn't have some sort of plan to go, you know, right at him at the other end of the yeah, court. Yeah, for sure. Then it's a then it's a it's a double header again. So Sunday at Melbourne Arena, um, taking on the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Both teams would have already played on the Friday night and then travelled to Melbourne, so that probably cancels each other out. With the Phoenix having played in Perth on Friday night, what are you expecting from that one on Sunday? Good question. Once again, unpredictability. Yeah. I, this is a game I would not like to to have a dollar either way on. I look, I, don't, I wouldn't even like to predict a winner. Um, I, you know, look, the Phoenix are just uh, you know, there's it, it, basketball's a funny game and moments is a funny game. You you get that belief um, at the moment. Every team in this league is thinking playoffs. You know, they're thinking playoffs and they're potentially thinking championship mm-hmm. because, you know, no one's lost enough games where they're completely out of it. No one's won enough teams where they're definitely in. So mm-hmm. confidence and momentum can be a funny thing. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to sit on the fence of this one. Oh, there's a toss <laughs> of the coin for me. It's been a lot of fun bringing this show to you, to you again. Hopefully, hopefully you've all enjoyed listening to it. It's been great to chat with you, Scott. It was great to sit back and listen to you having a chat with, with Dusty as well. We'll, we'll be... 
pretty pretty excited to bring you another show next week and have a look back on how the 36ers went. These are two big games against against Cairns and South East Melbourne, so it's going to be it's going to be plenty to wrap up next week. Now this is your show, Scott. What can you can you leave us with for for our second episode? Oh, look, just uh, once again, really excited to be doing this. Um, you, you know, to be able to you know, speak about the uh, you know the game that I loved growing up as a kid and uh, be involved in it so heavily for a number of years. Um, to be back involved and, and take such a great interest in it, um, I'd like to thank you, Chris, for uh, you know for for making this all happen and um, go Thirty Sixes.